Welcome to another episode of Dog Poundish. My name is Maliki, and thanks for tuning in. The Browns are 2-1 to start the season, and they have now more wins than losses for the first time since December 2014. That's right, the Browns are above 500. We are 2-1! That's crazy to think about! But this has to be a short-lived victory. We've got to move on. Tough team that you have to face in Dallas. If you can go 3-1, I mean, wow, that would be incredible. The Browns could go 3-1 if we can beat Dallas. A statement win. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that game. I can't believe now we have to wait a whole other week. But it is what it is, so let's just get down to breaking down the Browns game against the Washington football team. And so starting with the offensive side of the ball. So the offense put up 30.4 points. So at first glance, that yes, that's that's very exciting. Uh, you want to put up 34 points in a game. That That's considered great offensive production. But you do have to realize that the offense, it struggled in the first half. It was playing well, and the issue is it succumbed to Washington's defensive line at times. Montez Sweat got in there a couple of times, beat Jedrick Wills, which is not what you want to see. Although he's a rookie, so cut him a little bit of slack. Baker got a little bit of happy feet and would kind of just roll out of the pocket for no reason. That's one of his weaknesses, is rolling out of the pocket. When he's protected, he just needs to step up, but he gets a little nervous. And not not nervous as in, like, scared of the people around him, but just he doesn't sense pressure ideally. And so in Baker Mayfield, if we're going to focus on Baker... 69.6% of his passes were complete, threw for only 150 yards, which isn't, that, that doesn't mean he had a bad day, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, something that you love to see for a passer rating of 117.3, which is excellent. So, if we're going to measure and gouge Baker Mayfield's performance, let's not use it passing yards, because it is very clear that the game plan was to hand off the ball and run it with Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. So that was the game plan. That was the game plan. And it should be the game plan. I mean, Chubb ran for 20, 20 times for 108 yards for an average of 5.7 yards a carry and two touchdowns. And he also had a reception as well. And then Kareem Hunt, he did he did well in the running game. But where he contributes the most is, a, is as of that passing option that, you know, can slip out of the backfield. He had that one huge third down conversion, OBJ-like grab, that was a big momentum swift, kept the drive moving, didn't have to, you know, make a decision on fourth down whether to kick the field goal, maybe keep Washington in it, and then you have, well, maybe we go for it on fourth down, or and then if you don't get that, you potentially demoralize the team even further. So, yes, Baker Mayfield, he did not have the volume of a starting quarterback, but that doesn't mean he was poor. He There was a pass-heavy attack for most of it uh, for the first half, I would say, and then it became, as the Browns got more comfortable, the running game started to really take off, and that is what's so dangerous. You can start the lead and then not let the defense get stops on you because you have Chubb and Hunt in the backfield, so you can't get many stops when you have those guys that can run the ball, you know, 10 times in one drive. You can't make stops for your offense. So that is a huge component of this Browns offense that I think is really scary. Because Baker Mayfield, yes, I don't think he's necessarily an elite quarterback as of now. He does, however, have the talent and the arm talent as well to become one. But in this Kevin Stefanski scheme, we're not looking for a quarterback to be this high-volume passing production. 
he's being efficient. He's getting the ball out on time. When he's needed on third and long conversions, he can deliver two third and 12 conversions, both to OBJ. Excellent. He, those are the things, those are the conversions that you need the quarterback for. His job is not to hand it off. His job is to do, is to hand it off, but it is also to convert on those third and longs. And that is quarter, the quarterback, albeit is not as heavy as a focus in the Kevin Stefanski scheme. You need a guy that can make those conversions for you. And Baker played very well in those moments that he needed to play well. So for the offense, really overall, okay job. Definitely not as great as as the Cincinnati game, but Baker certainly played well. OBJ, he was not, he did not go crazy. He had 60 yards off four catches, two huge third down conversions that really started, kept the momentum going with the Browns after it kind of started to slip late in the third quarter when they were down 20 to 17. A little bit of scare, but we'll get into that later. Jarvis Landry, he played okay, but again, maybe not every day needs to be you know, 50, 60-yard passing production. Austin Hooper played decently, caught two balls. And then Harrison Bryant, more of a blocking role, but he played adequately as well. So yeah, the, the offense, it was fine. Uh, a lot of a lot of the of the production was credited, was is given, uh, we should give credit to the defense. And that's just a fact, but we'll get into that later. And so let's start actually on the defense right now. So the defense forced six, yes, six, Turnovers against the Washington football team. So three picks. Malcolm Smith got one. B.J. Goodson got one. And Carl Joseph got another. Denzel Ward should have had another pick, but it was batted out by Isaiah Wright. Great play by him. And this Browns defense just played extremely well. Granted, it was a very bad Washington offense, but they played very, very well. The challenge for this Browns defense was to force turnovers. They had only forced one turnover in this so far this season, before the Washington game, which is okay. Uh, half a turnover a game is not ideally what you want to, you know, result in your defensive stands. But it, it's it's satisfactory. It's definitely not the worst in the league. But those three picks, I mean, man, that, that set up the offense. That Without those picks, without the defensive performance, I don't know if the Browns win this game. Because they're often struggled. They played okay. They played much better towards the second half, the late second half. But man, that defense bailed them out. They bailed them out. This huge picks. Carl Joseph had a huge return, and he almost lost it, I swear. He almost lost it. He tried to pitch. I don't know what he was doing. But thankfully, Tavier Thomas was there to recover it. Thank God. But granted, it was a pick. So great job by Carl Joseph. He baited Dwayne Haskins into throwing it. By using a disguised coverage, I think Haskins thought it was cover two, but it was not cover two, and Carl Joseph carried the, whatever, I think it was the tight end that re- on Reed, and Smith was covering him, and Carl Joseph just slipped by, and basically Haskins overthrew him, and so he was able to get that and keep him running. Malcolm Smith also baited Dwayne Haskins into a stick concept, I believe, and he just picked it off, and he ran. And then you have B.J. Goodson who got another pick. He was doubted in his coverage abilities. He is not really known much, really not for anything. To be honest, he's not the greatest linebacker, but he played very well. His coverage skills were excellent. A couple pass breakups, which sometimes are more important than the interceptions, but the interception was amazing. He completely read what Haskins was doing, read the deep curl, and just snapped, jumped for the ball, and he got it. He attacked the ball, 
And the Browns defense just really flew to the ball in the both in the air. Miles Garrett got a strip sack. We forced a fumble at towards the end of the second half, uh, first half. So really great performance by this Browns defense. It really overall, you have Denzel Ward who is questionable with a groin injury to return to the Dallas game. So hopefully he can be healthy because man, that that Cowboys receiver core will be tough. Those are three. Wide receiver one potentially caliber receivers. You know, Amari Cooper, no doubt. Michael Gallup, you could argue he's a wide receiver number one. Maybe CeeDee Lamb, not not quite a receiver one. But he's he's definitely a receiver two on most teams. So really, this defense, it's going to need to be on its A game next week. Because this is one of the top passing offenses in the league. Dak Prescott threw for almost 500 yards against a, a bad Seahawks secondary, but nonetheless, 500 yards against any defense is extremely impressive. So this Browns defense, it had some great signs. Miles Garrett has a, had a 90-plus PFF grade in two consecutive weeks, really showing up to be that defensive player of the year caliber guy. And it's great that the Browns locked him up for seven years because you might you might have to pay him more if you don't sign him to a contract extension, and he's perf- he performs like this all season, like he has been. So that's the good news. You have him locked up. The, the defensive end contract, edge contract, is going nowhere but up. So great to lock him up. The defensive line, other than that, played well. You have Adrian Claiborne who played well, got another sack, some pressures that almost led to a Denzel Ward interception. But let's start talking about the negatives. Uh, I think the most glaring negative is Andrew Sendejo. I don't know why he's still on the field. I really don't. He is possibly the worst free safety in the NFL. In not not it's starting free safety. He is really bad, really really bad. He does not cover wide receivers like he should. He does not carry them when he's in a deep zone. He cannot. He cannot run with them. He is not physically or athletically gifted enough to run with these receivers. He's not physical enough, although he did decide to wear a hat that said make football violent again, uh, but he's definitely not physical enough to defend tight ends. So really, he has a liability in coverage. Like You could almost argue that with him off the field, and this is not exaggeration, He, the Browns' defense would be better. I don't know why you don't put Sheldrick Redwine in, who had a pretty good rookie season last year for a fourth-round pick. See how he does. I know he's getting a little rotation snaps. Ronnie Harrison's more of a strong safety, and Andrew Sandeo's a free, so no, you're not going to put Ronnie Harrison at free safety. But nonetheless, anybody, you could put a defensive lineman out there. I mean, okay, that's exaggeration. But anyway, Andrew Sandejo, you need to get him off the field. He may be your third free third safety in your rotation, but there's so many guys that have such high upside, and Grant Elpit hurts, although he's injured for the season with a torn Achilles. But Sheldrick Redwine, he's a guy that has high upside. Uh, maybe you sign Earl Thomas. I don't know how much Andrew Barry likes that move, but, you know, maybe you need it. This defense, it's going to go against some tough passing offenses soon. You got Philip Rivers, you got Ben Roethlisberger, potentially Lamar Jackson, who's proved that he can throw. So there's a lot of passing offense. You got Joe Burrow. I mean, there's a lot of passing offenses in your division and in your conference that you're going to need to compete with. And if you want to go into the playoffs, I mean, let's not let's not let's not quite get there quite yet. But if, ultimately, this is a playoff caliber team with the amount of talent on this team. 
and the amount of incredible passing offenses that you will have to face if you go into the playoffs, especially deep into the playoffs. I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, you're going to need a free safety that can cover a lot of ground, so maybe you consider keeping Earl Thomas on a one-year deal. A prove-it deal, and you don't re-sign him because you have Grant Delpit coming back. This is what you need. You need he. It's a win-win situation. Maybe you prove... I mean, let's say he proves a lot. He proves a lot. He plays very well. Returns to that, you know, Seahawks form because he wasn't great last season for the Baltimore Ravens. He returns to the Seahawks form, plays very well, gets the Browns to a wild card playoff, let's hope, and then he goes and signs a lucrative con- uh, contract with another team. I don't know if the Browns should p- pay him unless something crazy happens, but no, you have Grant Telpe, you have a future in that safety room, but it needs help as right now immediately. So maybe that's a move you consider making. But nonetheless, defense played extremely well. Needs some help in that secondary. Hopefully Denzel Ward isn't good for next week, but they will have a tough task next se- uh, next se- not next season. Next game against the Dallas Cowboys and then against the Indianapolis Colts, then against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just a generally tough schedule coming up now. So you hope that everybody can get healthy and ready to start winning some more football games. Maybe go to 3-1 and one next week. And you know what? To finish out this episode of Dog Pound Dish, let's talk about what the Browns need to do in order to become the playoff caliber team that they are on paper. So on the offensive side of the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and lastly, run the ball. That is what the Browns need to do. It's very simple. You have Chubb and Hunt. The, okay, first of all, it is the best duo in running back duo in the NFL now. Arguably, it is the best running back duo of all time in the NFL. You have guys that are both top 10 running backs, and one of them is a backup. I mean, this is an incredible running back. Don, Dur, what's his name? Dernus Johnson is an incredible third down, third string running back. If you have, I mean, he would be a second string running back on most teams. I mean, like, let's let's just take things into consideration. This running back room is ridiculous, and I think that that's what the Browns need to continue to do. It's very, it's fairly obvious. I'm kind of stating the obvious, but that's really what the Browns need to do. Is they need to state the obvious. We have a top duo. We're we're gonna run the ball. We're just gonna run it at people's throats, and if need be, we can pass it with Mayfield because he can hit throws off play action. And who is he throwing to? Austin Hooper, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, sometimes even Kareem Hunt. So, I mean, this offense is ridiculous, and you can trust your offensive line as well in both pass protection and run blocking. You know, this is a very ridiculously talented offense on paper, and I think that the Browns really need to realize that, continue to un- realize that identity that they have, which is running the ball. And I think we've found it. It's been two mediocre one. Cincinnati was terrible. Washington was without two of their top defensive linemen. They were injured in the beginning of the first quarter, so we're going to say that they were out because they were very limited snaps for Chase Young and Matt Ioannidis, the two guys that were out. Hopefully they are fine. Two great defensive linemen. But anyway, this offense just needs to run the ball, period. Moving on. Now the defense, the defense. So... Look, defense is hot and cold for the Browns. And just generally in the NFL, defense is hot and cold a lot of the times. And it really depends on the week. With Cincinnati, Joe Burrow teared up the Browns' secondary. A little bit Lamar Jackson, but we're talking about Joe Burrow. 
I'm only focusing on last week. He teared up. He teared up the Browns secondary. And then you have Dwayne Haskins, and that secondary absolutely locks up Dwayne Haskins. I mean, they, they got three picks off him. They got three picks. He only threw for 220 yards. I mean, Dwayne Haskins is not a great quarterback. Sorry, Ohio State fans, but he's really not. He's probably the worst quarterback starting in the league. I would not be surprised if that's where at least I put him. But we're not here to evaluate Dwayne Haskins and his throwing ability. The Browns defense stepped up yesterday. And so I think that if the Browns offense and the Browns team as a whole, but let's talk about the Browns offense in terms of what I'm going to say. Yes, if the Browns offense wants to find success, they are going to need the defense to put them in good field position. Because oftentimes what would happen, Browns offense gets the ball. They punt the ball off. Then the defense, they just hang them out to dry. I mean, Lamar Jackson drove 99 yards down the field for a touchdown. I mean, the defense put them puts the Browns offense in some tough positions. And likewise, sometimes, sometimes the offense puts the defense in terrible defensive situations where you have Lamar Jackson on the Cleveland 40 because Baker Mayfield threw a pick. That's that's exactly what this whole th- complementary football idea is all about. And that's why it's such a huge part of the NFL and why teams that go to the Super Bowl and win it all, they play complementary football. Yes, one of their units might be better than the other. Yes, one of their units might be more renowned or flashy, but they both work together to win the game in field position because field position is extremely important in the NFL and in football. But I'm not here to tell you about why field position is so important. I'm here to tell you that this Browns team has a bright future, especially, you know, in the future, but also this season. I think that the wild card playoffs is a completely realistic situation for the Browns. I really do. I don't see them making it possibly to the divisional round, definitely not the conference championships. I mean, I'll definitely welcome it. But the wild card playoffs, that's a realistic expectation for the Cleveland Browns. You have seven teams now going to the AFC playoffs. You have an so that's an extra team making it to the playoffs. I'm not a huge fan of that decision, but that's not the point. You have an extremely star-studded roster on both sides of the ball with promising youth on both sides of the ball as well, a key part of a good of a winning mix for uh, an NFL team. And then the third thing is you seem to have a coach and culture to structure around that identity that you formed with the X's and the O's. And I think that's such a huge part of being successful in the NFL. You have guys like Andy Reid who come in and they start to really implement their own, not just their own schemes, but their culture, John Harbaugh. I mean, Mike Tomlin, they have the same coaching structure, the same philosophy. You have Bill Belichick, who's had perennial success because he has that same mantra of do your job, nothing flashy, out hit, out play, out physical, the other guy. And that's why, for example, New England, they succeed with not great rosters. They're very average rosters, but they still find success because of what Bill Belichick has created in New England. And I think that, no, Kevin Stefanski has not created a culture similar to Bill Belichick. But Kevin Stefanski is creating an identity 
that the Browns can rally around, which will be so important, especially late in the season. And I think that's something that we're starting to learn. Kevin Stefanski is a first-year head coach, yes, but he does not look like one. He's an established play caller on these gotta-have-it-downs. You saw it in the Bengals game. You saw it in the, not the Ravens game, but you saw it in the football team game. And then the other thing is, he seems to have a head on his shoulders. And with Browns coaching, that says a lot. Thanks for listening to today's Victory Monday episode of Dog Pound Dish. Be sure to subscribe to Dog Pound Dish to stay up to date on your Cleveland Browns. Feel free to leave a review with any suggestions or comments you might have. Also, follow us on Twitter, link in the description, to keep up to date on latest episodes of Dog Pound Dish. Leave any mailbag questions under the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile so your questions get answered on the show. Additionally, before we set you free... I have a friend that has started off a podcast called The Football God. You can find it on iTunes and on Spotify. Really great content. He really, I do a Browns podcast over here at Dog Pound Dish, but he really reviews. If you want that entire NFL outlook, he really goes into depth and great presentation, great quality. You can find him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He's a Patriots fan, so you have to hate him, but you can't hate his content. It's really great. I would recommend listening. I will link it in the description of the podcast, so make sure to check that out. It's called The Football God, available on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and as always, Go Browns!